I, you know, I think of you as, as a lifeline. You know, you have been, <laughs> honestly, you have <laughs> been a fan of these and, and have gone above and beyond in terms of organizing questions and, and organizing interviews. And I know that the games mean something to you and that means something to me. So I really appreciate you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Geek Peak. Today, I'm talking with Dave Justice. Dave is the writer of one of my favorite mobile games of all time called Lifeline. Lifeline is a text adventure where you speak to a stranded astronaut and help them during their adventure. And it's all text, just uh, choices and text, and it's very, very fun. And the story is very, very good. The first game came out and it was amazing. I loved playing it. All my friends played it at work. We had a lot of discussions about the, the possible outcomes of what Taylor uh, could do uh, uh, once we helped them and, uh, and not really uh, make the right choice or do make the right choice. Um, so Dave wrote all of it. There are more games that uh, released afterwards. Um, and now, uh, after a while, the, the company has become independent and released a sequel called Lifeline Beside You in Time. I wanted to catch Dave uh, to talk about his creative journey and also answer some fan questions. This interview spoke to me personally as a writer because I see myself in a lot of the things that Dave said during this interview. If you are a writer, I encourage you to watch this uh, or listen to it. Uh, I enjoyed this interview very, very much. So, without further ado, enjoy the interview. Dave Justice, thank you so much for joining me. How are thank you doing today? Thank you so much for having me. I am so happy to be able to talk to you. I want to tell you a short uh, uh, story. In 2015, I started working in the high-tech industry. And one day, I came to the office and everyone was on their phones and I didn't know why and after a few minutes of trying to investigate what people were doing on their phones I got introduced to Taylor and that was my introduction to Lifeline which the first Lifeline which you wrote my entire office all of them were playing on it which was mind-blowing so uh to me too. <laughs> so collectively i think uh i want to start this interview with thank you <laughs> for creating something so amazing um playing lifeline games is one of the little joys in my uh in my video game uh, uh history so uh, I think I speak for all of us when I say thank you, but also keep going. <laughs> so uh, before we talk about like Lifeline itself and also ask you fan questions, uh, we have a lot of them. Uh, I do want to take you back to before Lifeline. Who was Dave back then? What, what was your life like before Lifeline? Um, well, I did a lot fewer interviews, <laughs> for one thing. Um, I, at about the age of eight, I started buying comic books, and 
I very quickly saw that there were credits in there and, and someone was a writer. And so someone had had to, to put all the words in those balloons. And I realized, I was like, that's what I want to do. Uh, so I made some stabs at it over the course of my life in, in high school and, and post-college. Uh, and then, you know, I, I had been working at a comic shop since the day I turned 18 at various comic shops. And through that had met... Uh, you know, a bunch of different creators. And then finally, in 2010, I had the opportunity to write four pages of House of Mystery for DC Vertigo uh, as part of an exquisite corpse issue where there were several writers and we wrote each other into corners and then the next writer had to try and, and figure their way out of that. Uh, and that was a lot of fun. And that was, you know, 25 years it took from deciding that's what I wanted to do to actually making it a reality. Uh, and it was, it was fantastic. It was everything that I had dreamed it would be. Um, and the, the rough thing is when you're writing is, is that, uh, you know, you get your foot in the door and then you think, finally, this is it. I've made it. Uh, but there's a lot of different doors and getting a foot into one doesn't necessarily mean you can get through the next one. So, you know, as as a freelancer, I I kept kind of pounding the pavement and submitting stuff. And, uh, you know, you hear you hear no a lot. But uh, but the good thing was I kept kind of circulating with different types of writers and uh, and making friends. And so when uh, the opportunity to to do Lifeline came up, how that happened was that I was friends with Daryl Gregory, who is a great novelist, and uh, and he had been asked to write it and didn't have the time, so he suggested me. And at that at that point, I had done very little writing professionally, uh, but they took a chance on me, and that's that's how I got my foot into that door. So pre pre Lifeline, I had very little on my resume that that might have pointed the direction to video game writer. But, uh, you know, it was it was an opportunity to try something new and different. And uh, I'm so glad that I did. Awesome. Would you say uh, that your process for writing for something like Lifeline uh, differs? Well, of course, it, it does differ. But do you think it differs a whole lot than like writing a novel or something like that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it, it, writing Lifeline, the, the Lifeline games that I've done so far, it's entirely dialogue. It's 100% someone or someone's having a conversation with the player. Um, when you are writing a comic book, the only thing that the reader is seeing is dialogue, but in the script for it, I have to do a lot of description for the artist and the colorist and, and the letterer to let them know, you know, this, this is what I'm thinking. This is how I think this might be paced, or this is the props that we need in this panel, or this is, you know, and then of course, when you're doing a novel, you have to supply everything. You have to do the narration as well as the dialogue. Um, and, you know, you are, 
hoping that the reader is is envisioning the same thing that you are uh just given the words that you've put on the page so so yeah the lifeline games are are very different in that way in that all you have is is what's coming out of the characters mouths in order to paint a picture of of the setting uh and and what's going on and the time that it takes for those things to go on uh, so it was it was a new language to to try and learn uh definitely different from comics or novels yeah okay so i know um I think you you said so in the past that uh, you were using a, a software called Twine mm-hmm. uh, to to do like the the dialogue uh, uh, structure, um, and then like a developer would like uh, like import that into an app or something like that. Um, what was it like to have like? all those branching decisions. Uh, and I, when I think about it, I'm like, okay, you need to uh, uh, remember this decision and then you need to call back to it uh, at some point in the game. And then, uh, uh, but if you did something else, then a different kind of dialogue should appear here. Like, so how did you like, go into this challenge and say like, okay, this is how it's going to work. Twine helps in terms of like uh, helping you set variables and stuff like that. But uh, what was your process to, to managing all of those outcomes? Um, you know, I, I was learning as I went, um, you know, I would, I would read the Twine wiki and, and sort of learn about the different, things you could do and the different uh, variables that you could call out and then try and figure out, you know, can I incorporate that? Do I need to incorporate that? How do I incorporate that? Um, so it was, it was, you know, as much as I was writing, I was also reading at that point and, and just trying to figure out this, this new program. Um, and I, I've said before uh, that, that I was working in Twine 1 which I think is for, you know, people like me who don't really understand coding. Uh, they, they had come up with Twine 2, and I, I tried to work in that, but they had stripped out a lot of the stuff that was for, you know, the lay person. And it was much, I think mm-hmm. Twine 2 is, is much more geared toward people who understand the coding. Um, thankfully, it... it Twine does some of the stuff you're talking about as far as like, it'll let you know when you haven't offered choices or you haven't tied up a loose end or, you know, if you have an if then kind of statement, it says, well, you haven't finished this. You haven't provided the then for the if then. Uh, So, you know, thankfully you're not, you're not navigating completely blind. It, it does sort of nudge you. Um, but yeah, the uh, I don't know if you've seen it. We we've had it out there in various places. But the the map of that initial Lifeline game is just ridiculous because I started out, you know, trying to take all the little squares and twine and line them up in a way that I could go back and and look at them. And then it just starts sprawling all over the place and and becomes just this this multi-headed dragon of of a layout. <laughs> 
and I have, I have learned since then to, to be much more organized in twine. Uh, you know, the, the stuff I'm doing now, uh, is, is a lot easier to go in and find something that I'm, I may be looking for a month after that I wrote it. Mm. Uh, it's, it's a lot easier than that first game was where I was, I was really flying blind for a lot of it. Okay. Wow. That's so cool. Um, okay. So a lot of games came after the first lifeline mm -hmm. and, um, I want to ask you like, uh, as sort of a general question, like how was your ideation process for uh, uh, thinking about the genre of the next game? Like, was that something like that uh, uh, you and the rest of the team like uh, set out, like you had like this list of prompts, this is what we're going to do, or was there some kind of logical uh, uh, wider world uh, uh, um, reasoning behind that? Are you asking like as as far as something like Bloodline, where it's yes. okay? Um, yeah, at, at the time that we started working on Bloodline, we really didn't know how big the original Lifeline was going to be. Um, so we thought we we had we had done the work on Lifeline and and were able to to you know, put it out into the market and, and kind of see that, that people were interested in it, but we didn't realize how big Taylor was going to loom, uh, as, as far as a character and, and, a, and a, a space setting that we had created for that. So when we started talking about sequels, uh, we thought, well, let's try this in a, in a different genre and see, you know, does it work the same there? Is it better? Is it, is it worse? Uh, so I started coming up with this urban fantasy uh, setting and, and a, a brand new character, um, but very quickly realized like, oh, we can tie this in. We can, we can use the same antagonist in this and, and show people that it's part of a larger universe. Uh, and then as, as we went on with stuff like Crisis Line and Flatline, uh, you know, we had the, the greens as the bad guys, but we got to use them in a number of different ways. Um, so, yeah, a lot of it was just kind of kind of seeing, you know, if, if it works in, in a science fiction sense, can it be made to work for, for other types of stories? And, and so much of it was just, uh, you know, was, was, three minutes and, and then big fish, uh, saying, yeah, let's give it a shot. Let's see what happens, you know, throw something at the wall and see what sticks. So it was, it was, you know, honestly, that, that kind of freedom does not occur often in, in a, a job. So it was really exciting to be allowed to do that. Okay. So like as a, as a total, uh, fantasy role-playing game nerd, I think Arika is one of my favorite characters of all time. Wow. <laughs> especially, especially when, like, there's this moment when she's like, oh, and you're gonna walk these however miles uh, uh, with me in solidarity, right? And I'm like, no, but you will. <laughs> <laughs> And and I was like, it was so fun that uh, that uh, she's like 
kind of breaking the fourth wall like and and you're gonna do it do it too right it's not like it's not i'm a person i'm not just a, a video game character um and and like things like that moment really uh, uh tied in that kind of feeling that uh wow this this is actually a conversation that i would probably have with a real human being uh and and like i love that um well i appreciate that i she she kind of gets forgotten about i think uh you know when pe- people are very taylor centric a lot of lifeline fans but i love arica uh and i'm happy to hear that that there are other people out there who love her as much as i do okay so so uh uh you raced for this uh and uh i'm sure people in the comments of uh this interview on youtube or wherever uh they can comment uh when it comes out uh will say will comment how much they want more arica content uh i'm sure there are many because uh uh i I think maybe we'll even get to that in the fan questions. I think I've seen one uh, that asks specifically about Arika. Um, but we'll get to that in a, in a bit. Um, okay. So I think uh, you had this kind of um, uh, start point where you started uh, uh, like publishing those games uh, initially with Big Fish. And then afterwards, there was this kind of uh, disconnect time uh, where no no uh, Lifeline games were actually being released. And then there was this announcement that uh, you and the rest of the team are actually taking back the reins and uh, are going to continue publishing the games. Um, so before we get to talk about other games... Uh, like uh, Beside You in Time, which was the first game uh, that Three Minutes uh, published after that period. Uh, tell me a bit about what are the plans for those old games, uh, like something like games that were released under Lifeline Universe that uh, no longer exist, or, uh, or other games that were published uh, by initially Big Fish. Are they going to get like uh, update treatment or, or stuff like that to adhere to new kind of devices of today? Um, well, so I, I again, I, I am not the guy who does the coding. Uh, that is, I leave up to Colin and Mars because uh, they are geniuses at it. Um, but definitely the plan has been to go into those old lifeline games uh you know primarily the, the green series uh and kind of spiff them up make sure they're as as good as can be uh and then you know draw people's attention to them again um you know one of one of the great things that we've been able to do just in the last month or so is uh to put lifeline plus the original version on uh, apple arcade and that yeah. has gone very well. Uh, it really kind of surpassed everybody's expectations. And uh, we we would love to continue to to put the you know the following games on there as well. So that's that's a conversation that is you know 
taking place. Um, but as, as far as other things like, uh, you know, I know that there are fans of, of whiteout, um, and who are wondering, you know, they got to see a little bit of whiteout too. And, and then that kind of folded and, and went away. Um, we, I, I can't make any promises, but we do have those materials. Uh, mm. So that's something that we can be looking at in the future. Um, and then as far as, as the stuff that was in Lifeline Universe, I honestly can't tell you uh, what, you know, I, I don't I don't know whether we have that stuff or not. I don't know what uh, our our holdings contain mm -hmm. in terms of the universe stuff. Um, we, the, the lifeline game that was in there, Bad Astronaut, we have elected to not make it part of the canon because so few people were able to see it. Um, and there, there is a walkthrough of it that's available on YouTube, but because, you know, it, it really, it never got out of, of beta which was, uh, you know, unfortunately, Lifeline Universe never got out of beta. So the majority of, of fans never got to play those games. And so we thought it would kind of be unfair to have this missing chapter of their lives. Uh, so, so all of that stuff has been kind of shunted into a pocket universe, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, as in terms of the future, you know, we want to, we want to make sure that the old games are, you know, spiffed up to the best of our abilities as, as we are also making new games to continue to excite people. Okay. That's very cool. That was, that was probably more rambling than it could have been. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, uh, like you did give an answer. So, so <laughs> we're all good. Um, Okay, so I think we'll jump uh, to fan questions because there are many and I want to get to a lot of them. Okay, the first fan question that we have is from Cookie. And Cookie asks, will the protagonists of each Lifeline game cross paths in the future games? Oh, when we were many years younger and, <laughs> uh, and, and just had nothing but whiteboards and time, uh, we were, were trying to build toward a big Avengers style meetup of all the characters, uh, mm, because lifeline cinematic universe. Yeah. We were all just as excited by that idea as I think the fans are. Um, there's, there's a lot to consider in terms of that. Uh, you know, there, the, the games can only be so long for a number of reasons and it's it's kind of hard to give enough service to four different characters or five different characters uh in in the amount of space we have so i i have done a lot of thinking about how to do an avengers style game that would make fans of all the different characters happy uh and I haven't, I haven't cracked that riddle yet, but it's, you know, it's, it's not on the immediate horizon, but it's something that we've been thinking about for a long, long time. So I, I don't, I don't want to get anyone's hopes up immediately, but, uh, 
yeah, it's it's definitely something that that has been kicked around and I think continues to be kicked around. Okay, cool. We'll see. <laughs> um, the next question is from Justin. And Justin asks, what are your thoughts on Belgian-French comics compared to American comics? Any favorites? Oh, boy. Um, I will have to admit that I don't really uh, know any Belgian-French comics. Um, okay. I, I don't feel equipped to answer this question. Um, I, you know, I what, what European comics I have seen... Uh, which generally is a lot of like the humanoid stuff. Um, I, I love them because they're larger, because they take risks, uh, because the art is just gorgeous and cinematic. Um, but I, in terms of specific Belgium stuff, I, I, I can't say that I have any knowledge of that, unfortunately. Sorry, Justin. Okay. Uh, the next question is from Linnea. I hope I'm pronouncing the name right. Uh, Linnea, I'm sorry if I didn't pronounce your name correctly. Uh, the question is, we all know Taylor is the fandom's favorite character, but who is your favorite? Oh, goodness. Um, yeah, again, I've, I've got a soft spot for Arika because she is... <laughs> the the redheaded stepchild of the lifeline family i think um she's she's a prickly pear and it's hard to get to know her but uh i think once you've earned her trust she's she's really pretty cool to hang out with um yeah i i i love all you know they're all my children uh, <laughs> i love i love Wynn and i love alex and i love you know even the ones that i didn't write on uh, obviously I was very involved in, in their creation and their lives. Um, and, and, you know, it's always great to come back home to Taylor, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think I would probably say Arik as my number one. Love to see it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, the next question is from Alex 75 X. Uh, and the question is other than Taylor, which character's story are you most excited to continue? I do, I do want to show more of the Lanfears, uh, not just Arika, but kind of what her dad was up to. Mm. Which, if you if you follow all the right paths in beside you in time, you get a little bit of that. Uh, and if people didn't know that, well, now you know. Um, you can, you spoilers can, yeah well you know go hunting for it i don't want to i don't want to hide it too well uh but yeah there's there's i think some interesting backstory uh you know there's also kind of the stuff about the the tunguska meteorite that gets talked about in uh, crisis line i think that's some interesting backstory that we want to play with so uh there's there's a lot of space, I think, to, to kind of show how the threads are are tied together mm. uh, as far as, as some of the green universe stuff goes. So uh, I, I hope that we have a, a chance to do that in the right way. Okay. I love it. 
okay, the next question is from Artificial Jealousy. And the question is, what was the most difficult part of making the Lifeline games? The most difficult part? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I think that, you know, I could, I could say a few different things that, that were, you know, like the first one had to be written so quickly, which I could say was difficult, but also because of that, I didn't have any time to second guess. And so Ooh. I just wrote and wrote and wrote. And so in that sense, it, you know, it wasn't that difficult because it just had to happen. Um, I think this will sound corny, but I think it's true. Um, as the games got bigger and as the fan base got bigger, the hardest part for me was being very conscious of not wanting to let people down. Mm. And especially coming back with Beside You in Time after, after taking a few years off, I really was anxious as far as like, I want this to be worth it to people. I want, I want people to see this Taylor and T2 as, as the characters they remember and fell in love with. And, uh, I, I, I didn't want to screw it up. I didn't, I didn't want the fans to feel like we had taken a wrong turn. So I think, I think maybe that would be my answer is that we're, we're so aware of how much love there is for, for Taylor and for Lifeline that we just want to keep doing as well as we can to, to make people happy. Okay. So uh, would you say that in Beside You in Time, there's uh, like there is there any specific thing that uh, you were worried about in terms of like coming back with this game uh, and and uh, meeting people's expectations of, of of Taylor and T2? I knew how it was going to end. Uh, and I, you know, I won't spoil that for anyone sure. who hasn't played it, <laughs> but I, I knew that that there was something had to happen at the end that was inevitable. And I wanted to make sure that before we got to that ending, people felt like they had spent a, a good amount of time with, uh, it's so hard to do this without with the characters. <laughs> yeah. I wanted, I wanted people to feel like they had gotten, everything they needed out of the experience before the ending. Um, so I was, I, you know, maybe, maybe the game even is, is weighted more in, in the direction of, of that character. Um, and I, I have seen more than one fan say that, that, you know, it's, it's nice to, to play it with Taylor, but taking some other excursions make it, different and better okay so. you did a very well job just now just so you know <laughs> <laughs> okay um it's tricky the it's 
Awfully tricky. Interrupting the video to thank today's sponsor, my patrons. You are the most amazing people on the planet and your generous support helps keep this thing going. So from the bottom of my heart to you, thank you so much for supporting the channel. If you, the viewer, want to become a member, become a patron, you can go to either patreon.com forward slash the coin or click the join button below. It is the same price. Uh, whatever you choose to do, it's fine. Some benefits for becoming a patron or a member, getting the interview a week earlier, getting it without ads and getting it without this sponsorship insertion. So thank you so much again for uh, those of you who are patrons and members. Thank you for watching. And now back to the video. The next question is from Ebel, e Ebel. Okay. Uh, are you still working on the Whiteout series? If so, are there any updates you can share? Uh, like I said, we, we do have uh, those materials. I personally, because I did not do any of the writing on them, uh, I have less of an idea of what might eventually become of that. Um, but it, it would not surprise me if sometime in the future, White, Whiteout 2 showed up. Uh, but, but I'm not the one who has control over that, unfortunately. Okay, cool. Uh, and the next question is from Leon. And the question is, will we one day get some Taylor plushies or action figures? By the way, love your work. Heart. Heart. Well, thank you. Um, <laughs> that is, uh, that's definitely something to consider. Um, you know, back in the day, there were some t-shirts and some magnets and, and a few things that uh, the Big Fish produced. Now that it is in our hands, there's there's really only three of us uh, doing anything with with the games at this point, uh, and I think that we would love to have some some stuff that people can buy, uh, and I I don't know what our our best way of going about that would be, uh, but I would love a Taylor plushie. Um, I would, I would love a Taylor t-shirt. I would love all sorts of stuff. I would not be ashamed to wear any of that. So, uh, but it's, it's not something that we, uh, we have, it's, there's nothing in the works that I can tell you about at this point. Uh, but you know, it's certainly something to be brought up the next time we, we have a conference call just to say, Hey, people are still interested. Okay. So. Let me tell you the moment uh, Taylor plushie is available for purchase. It will join my uh, my background over there. <laughs> yeah. Well, you you will be among the first to know. I'm sure. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, okay. The next question is from uh, Eric Zhang, uh, and the question is, uh, okay, we talked about Lifeline Universe. Mm -hmm. uh, will you bring back the stories from the old Lifeline Universe app back? Whiteout 2, Bad Astronaut, Creeping Fog, etc. If yes, what is the progress made on it? And how long would it take to bring back all the other stories and journeys? 
So I think we talked about the first part of this question, but uh, mm-hmm. if you had to like measure in time how, how long it would take to uh, take those um, uh, writing materials and, and kind of make them your own, uh, what would your answer be to that? As far as stuff like Silent Night and, and just spiffing up the other titles. Yes. Uh, I mean, that's, it's, it's all in the plans. Uh, you know, again, the universe stuff, I don't think we're really going to touch, but, um, the, I, I think our question right now is, uh, you know, are we, do we go to the next Taylor game or do we go to bloodline, you know, as, as it was released, really <laughs> uh, they're, they're all going to happen. Um, you know, again, there's, there are only three of us who are, who are doing everything that has to be done. Uh, and as, as the writer, I'm more of my concentration is what's coming next, as opposed to what already happened. Uh, so I'm, I'm probably not the best of the three of us to answer that, but I know that, uh, I know that we're working on it. Okay. Awesome. Um, Okay, the next question is from uh, Acacia. Uh, the names will be written on the screen. Uh, sorry if I <laughs> botched your name. Uh, will we ever learn more about Regina? Like who she is as a person? Green, her past, etc. I hope so. Again, uh, in, in talking about the history of the Greens and the Tunguska and all the stuff like that, um, yeah. The, the Green Queen is, is definitely an important character in, in the Lifeline mythos, uh, whether there is just the single Regina or whether that is a, a title that has been passed down mm, oh. and, uh, and what might become of Regina in the future. Uh, all, all of that was written on a whiteboard at one point several years ago, so there's... There's story to be told. You raised an interesting point here. I did not think about the option that Regina might be a title. And now that's opened up an entire... <laughs> that's very cool. There you go. Uh, I still got it. <laughs> okay. Uh, the next question is from Leon. Uh, and uh, Leon asks... Do you have a lifeline in your personal life? I think I have been very lucky um, in that I have have gotten a lot of support uh, from from friends and also from my parents. Um, the beside you in time, I don't know how many people saw this in the in the credits, but uh, I dedicated it to my dad who passed away at the beginning of 2022. Um, he, he held on for, I think, a lot of months asking me if the game was done. And I was finally able to tell him in December that it was. And just the relief in his voice, because he knew that I had been struggling. He knew that I had been blocked on it. Uh, and he was just so happy to know that it was done. And, uh, um, 
I felt really glad that I was able to to give him that sense of relief before he left. Um, so, you know, he, he was very much a lifeline for me. My mom continues to be. Um, wow. And yeah, like I say, I, I think that I have... I have really lucked out in terms of just people who have have seen what I'm trying to do and and support it. My wife is amazing. Uh, she, you know, anytime anything happens that you know I publish anything, she posts about it and and organizes people to come to comic signings and uh, yeah. And I mean, I, you know, in, in, in a very real sense, I think Lifeline fans are a huge lifeline for me. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that I just, I can, I can go check in on the discord and the fact that there's still that kind of activity on this game eight years later, eight years after the first game was published, that people are still so excited about it. And, and that, you know, we have so many questions that were submitted to you from people who are still so excited about it. it That's huge. That's, yeah. yeah. I, you know, all, all I can say is that in, in every arena, I, I really feel like I lucked out. Okay. I, I love that you, uh, uh, that you mentioned uh, your dad and, uh, and uh, the way he waited for the game to be, uh, to be ready. Uh, I think that's such an amazing uh, uh, thing to connect on with your parent. Uh, I can say, f uh, for me, uh, I have dabbled in writing fantasy. And um, my parents don't even think uh, that uh, it could be something. Uh, like, I am a software engineer. And, uh, and that, for them, is the thing. Uh, writing is not the thing. Uh, they don't even know if writing could be a thing. Um, and and I can see their I can see their point of view. Uh, but to have like that that special thing to to connect with your father about about a piece of writing uh, in, in such a way that uh, that he cared so much about it, I think that's so special. Uh, and I'm so happy you had that. Um, and also, uh, in terms of community, I'm uh, like I've been on the Discord server. I think from the moment it got started, uh, mm. and, and and even though I don't like frequent conversations, but I'm, I always keep an eye out on on news and stuff like that. Uh, and and uh, I believe so many of us do love these games and and like have this special place in our hearts. Uh, uh, to escape from this world into this like special little world uh, that we get to spend with Taylor or with Arika or with some other characters uh, in in the games and uh, and yeah this is just amazing. I mean, uh, it, yeah, it 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 means I, I you know I think of you as as a lifeline. You know, you have been <laughs> honestly, you have been. <laughs> a fan of these and, and have gone above and beyond in terms of organizing questions and, and organizing interviews. And, you know, I, 
I know that the games mean something to you and that means something to me. So I really appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, okay. We'll, we'll, do, uh, we'll do some more fan questions here. So the next question is from Scott. Uh, and the question is, do you personally feel like the non-visual method of telling your stories makes it more immersive for the player and or more true to your own creative vision? Sort of, as I said before, the, the trick of it is to... Uh, that in these games, all that there is is dialogue. And so short of, of having a character stop and describe every blade of grass, um, you know, you, you want to give description, but in a way that it still feels like you're talking to a human being. Uh, and so in that sense, I think that there is a, a line to walk between giving the player nothing and in being way too descriptive. So I, I have tried as hard as I can to put enough imagery in there that people can, can sort of build it up in their minds as to what, what the character is seeing or what the character is experiencing um but to still be able to leave that open to interpretation like i think you know for example with arica anyone who's been in the pacific northwest will have some idea of the places that she's seeing and visiting and if you haven't then i hope i've done enough work that the game still works for you um so yeah uh in, in terms of, you know, it being a purely, uh, purely textual thing as opposed to having visuals, um, you know, I that that was what we set out to do with the first one. Again, kind of throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what worked, and it seemed to work for people, um, and so that's that's kind of the way that we continued. Um, and again, I. I didn't really get even to play uh, Lifeline Universe, so I don't know when they incorporated visuals. I don't really know what that did for the gameplay, mm-hmm. uh, I, and I I don't know how people felt about suddenly having images of characters and locations that they had, you know, been able to form their own images of in their minds prior to that. Uh, so that's, I mean, that'd be an interesting question. I don't, did you get to play any of universe? I think I played, uh, a part of the, of the whiteout piece that was there, mm-hmm. um, uh, which was kind of a preview, but it never got really, uh, continued. Right. Um, and I think there was also another piece, uh, which was more, uh, with graphics, I think it was something about Regina, but I don't really remember. Hmm. Um, or or something about like the greens uh, uh, as a whole, um, but not like specifically Taylor related. Yeah, n- not sure. I think w- the the thing I I recollect the most from from Universe was that piece of Whiteout, mm-hmm. uh, Whiteout Two, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, but other than that, no. Uh, no solid memories from other graphic things. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, that, that the question that 
that you've asked is is something that I, honestly I would be curious in terms of people who who got to play Universe, like what was their experience going from purely text to something visual, whether it was an improvement or whether they, you know, this isn't what I pictured T2 looking like. So I don't know. Yeah. And I also think there's, there's an element of, of writing skill here uh, because like talking about a game, which is purely text, like I've never felt even, even in beside you in time, uh, I can, I can imagine in my mind uh, from the conversation with Taylor, uh, uh, how the rooms kind of look, uh, but I've never felt during like dialogue that Taylor was feeding me extra details that that like that uh, telling me how the how the room looks and and it didn't feel unnatural. Like I'm sitting on this gray bench and uh, mm-hmm. in this black room, <laughs> like it 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 wasn't. There wasn't anything like that uh, that felt like out of place. And I'm like, mm, is that too much? No, there was nothing like that. So I think uh, it's it's like treading like this balance of describing um, and then also like, uh, uh, like giving the player a sense of like normal conversation. Um, Good. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to hear that because I mean, that really is something that you know, effort, effort goes into that. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, the next question is from Derry. Uh, the question is how much time has canonically passed since Taylor left earth from their perspective as someone who's been playing and following along since 2015, 2016, I am now worried about Taylor having spent nearly a decade stranded in space. Um <laughs> wow. Derry, this is such a good question. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's such a good question that I don't have a good answer to. Um you know, the uh Silent Night takes place like 3 days after the original lifeline. Um all of it is happening pretty quickly for for Taylor. Uh I I think there's some you know I'm I'm a big comics reader and and Marvel does this thing where they have basically a sliding timeline so mm-hmm. that everything started about 7 years ago no matter what what point you pick up a Marvel comic uh you know the Fantastic 4 took off into space for the first time about 7 years ago um and I kind of feel like Lifeline operates the same way which is that Taylor took off into space six months ago, a year ago. No matter when you start playing it, it, it wasn't as long ago as 2015. Um, and I just, you know, if I could produce games as quickly as they're happening to Taylor, <laughs> I would be a, a, a rich but very, very tired person. <laughs> So uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to ask people to just sort of sort of fudge the timeline. Yeah, uh, there, there's this uh, uh, time magic uh, that no matter how long it's been, uh, Taylor is still not stranded a decade in space. Right. <laughs> like there there are fixed events in the in the canon, like 
you know, Tunguska and, and, you know, if, if we put a date to something, then it happened then, but, uh, otherwise it was, it was just a little while ago. Cool. Okay. Uh, the next question is from Kepler. And the question is, to me, as a big space exploration nerd, one of Lifeline's biggest strength is that with Taylor's exposition, the settings feel incredibly real and often personal. Like when Taylor goes through the barracks in Beside You in Time, did you do any research on real space missions to achieve this or work with anyone with experience such as an astronaut? As an extra question, do you think Taylor and their lifeline ever got to meet like we talked about? Thank you. So I did a, a decent amount of reading um, in terms of uh, like what's life like on a space station. Um, you know, any, anytime there's something about like recycling urine or, you know, what the weight of personal objects is that you can bring on a space flight. Uh, that's, that's all me reading various sources. Um, I have not sat down and talked with an astronaut, although that would be an amazing thing to do. Um, any astronauts in, in the crowd? <laughs> yeah. Hit me up. Um, I, I would, I don't even know how I would go about doing that. Uh, although, you know, I'm sure I could, I could drive to Houston. It's not that far from me and, uh, and, you know, talk to some astronauts there. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm, I, I think I'm, I'm better at reading than I am at, at interviewing. <laughs> uh, and I'm sorry, what was the second part of the question? Uh, uh, the second part of the question was, do you think Taylor and their lifeline ever got to meet like we talked about? Well, not yet. Not yet. Uh, but, uh, but Taylor's mission is far from over. Um, the next question is from Suit. And the question is, if T2 had ended up surviving, rest in peace, may their memory be a blessing, would they have chosen a different, more human name or nickname? If so, what? Or would they still have gone by whatever Taylor's first name is, Taylor? That's a good question. I mean, they let themselves be called T2 the whole time. So, uh, you know, I think, I think the universe is big enough for more than one Taylor. Um, okay. So that's, that's a good question. I don't know. What, what would you call them? <laughs> um, actually, I, I have never uh, thought about T2 as anything other than T2. It just like that's the name that feels mm -hmm. that feels right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, I, I I'm kind of with you there. I had to come up with a way to differentiate them, and uh, and uh, that's that's basically the way I thought about them as as being T two. So okay. Uh, the next question is from Katie, and the question is. Aside from the ending that can get tripped near the start, was there any plans for an ending where T2 survived? Okay, so that's another uh, spoilery question. <laughs> uh, yeah, honestly, there was not. Um, that was always <laughs> going to be T2's fate was to uh, was to to 
not make it out of the space station, but to be able to die as a human. Uh, I thought this is, this is the proper arc is to gain that redemption that I think T2 deserved. Uh, so, so even, even from the beginning stages of writing beside you in time, I knew that that was, that was going to be it. Plus it's so difficult to write two different characters who you can never use pronouns for. Yeah. Uh, and, and I thought, you know, I've, I've done this for a game and a half now and, and I, I, I gotta be finished. So I think there's something so cool, uh, but also something so challenging about the fact that Taylor can be what the person playing the game the game needs uh, uh, and and Taylor is written in such a way that someone might like uh, 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 refer to Taylor as one thing and someone might refer uh, uh, to Taylor as another thing and I think, that's such an amazing feat of writing uh, that not gets get a lot of credit, uh, but uh, but you should get a lot of credit for that. Uh, it's so difficult. <laughs> uh, most of the time, it was a fun challenge, and then a few times I kind of felt like I was writing myself into a hole. But I think it worked out. Also, you know what? Uh, uh, you raised like an interesting thing. Uh, like when the first uh, Lifeline came out and Taylor was introduced, um, do you feel like the decision to make like Taylor non-binary uh, was something that came after the first Lifeline uh, uh, game came out? Or was that like something that the community kind of like resonated with and then that was how this was going to go into the future with with other Taylor games. That was actually one of the very few things that uh, that Three Minute presented me with when they asked me to write it. They said, mm -hmm. we know we want to do science fiction. We know we want it to last for about three days of gameplay. And we know we want the protagonist to not be named as either male or female. Mm -hmm. uh, and so be, beyond those three things, they said, you know, write whatever you want. If you want it to be hard sci-fi, if you want it to be space opera, do whatever you want. Uh, but, but these are the things we think are important. So uh, it was definitely, definitely a choice that, that we made and definitely something that, people responded to and what was really interesting was like in the first few days before people really realized that other people were having different experiences it was very interesting to to read you know some of the reviews and see you know it was probably about half and half people referring to taylor as male versus female and and then i think it, it sort of became clear to people that, oh, you know, it's, it's never stated. <laughs> so, 
I, I felt like that was that was pretty cool to to kind of organically watch that realization wash over people. I will say from my own like first 2015 experience, uh, I did not notice like until I finished the game and, and went online, I did not notice that it was never stated uh, 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 like what Taylor's gender was. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I always like considered Taylor as male. Uh, mm-hmm. That was my, that was my like, uh, initial uh, initial like experience with the first game but then after it like uh, uh, it was revealed like that there is no uh, uh, like official canon or something like that uh, or that the official canon is that Taylor is non-binary um, I was like oh oh that's so cool now I have to play the game again <laughs> and then I play the game again and then I realized like Wow, it, it really is never stated. I how could I miss this? <laughs> I think that was a lot of people's experience though. Yeah, it's it was like, so cool. <laughs> yeah. They, they they played it the first time, you know, kind of in a vacuum. And then connecting to the community, they realized, oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> uh okay. The next question is from Hayten. Hayten. Uh, and the question is a music playlist was introduced in the production and I'm wondering what songs would be on the playlist if Taylor themselves were to make one. Oh boy. Um, that's the sort of question I feel like I need a week or so to, to put together <laughs> a proper mixtape. Um, I can't do that on the fly. So, so okay let so, me make so. it easy for you give uh-huh. us two boy uh and i'm trying to think of stuff that wasn't already on but like the first answer i want to give obviously is is space oddity by bowie uh but that's already on the lonely astronaut playlist but that just seems like you know the lost astronaut song um I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm sitting in my office with like 3000 CDs and I am overwhelmed by choice. Analysis paralysis. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I have to get back to you. Uh, and I, and I hate to, to disappoint. I've got too much stuff to pick from. Um, you know, in, in addition to, the the was it 20 songs i guess that were on that playlist um you know the fans in the time since then have have come up with tons more and have found stuff that i've never heard of that that is perfect fit uh so you know i i would love for you know i would love for the fans to answer this and point me to things that i've never heard of um comment below yes please do uh, I, I feel I'm, I'm, I'm paralyzed by choice. I feel like I, I should have a good answer for this. And I love making mixtapes. It's one of my favorite things, but I, I put so much like thought into it. I, I can't do it spontaneously. Okay. Sorry. No, it's, it's completely okay. And you opened up the floor 
uh, for a lot of people uh, Please. to suggest their serious. own songs. I'm very serious about that. I want to. I want to hear. Uh, okay. The next question is from Rung, uh, and the question is: I am a Korean player who is enjoying the Lifeline series very much. Do you have any thoughts on translating it into other languages? Uh, so I know you do do this, uh, but maybe you want to like uh, add some extra uh, context to uh, the translations that go on. Um, again, this is much more Colin and Mars's department than mine. Um, I know that we, you know, when we were under the, the big fish umbrella, it was translated into seven or eight different languages. Uh, I know that now that we are out on, under our own shingle, that uh, I want to say Korean was a language that we, yeah, but I could be wrong about that. Um, it It is definitely something that we are interested in, in doing uh, as many languages as possible. There is always a cost to that. And so, uh, you know, again, those are the, the business decisions that are made, uh, you know, be, beyond my writer's den here. Um, but yeah, it's, we want as many people as possible to be able to enjoy it in their native language. Um, so, you know, if, if it is not in your native language and, and you want it to be, uh, certainly, you know, shoot us an email through the website and, and let us know about it. Uh, because that's, that's how we find out that there's a need. Cool. Okay. So who should I reach out for a Hebrew translations? <laughs> uh, boy, I don't know. Um, <laughs> okay. I'll yeah. figure it out. Just <laughs> an email. Like, you know, again, we, we love that our fans are as involved as they are and we want to do things for them that are cool. So if we can figure out that there's enough of a base that, that wants it in a new language, I think, you know, we will seriously look into it. Cool. I think like, uh, I'm so invested in the lifeline universe that I would probably just like, uh, localize it myself. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I had the time, I would just sit and like, uh, 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 find that uh, uh, that document that you said, like the tree of the entire mm -hmm. first game, and then just translate all the bubbles uh, uh, into Hebrew. More, more power to you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always wonder how some of the references, like the pop culture references, translate to other languages, you know? And, and they, they told me, don't worry about it. So I, I try not to worry about it, but I, I have to think some of the stuff just totally falls flat. Yeah. Or maybe maybe they get localized into references that make sense for, you know, a different population. I don't know. So uh, I can tell you, like, from experience, at least in Hebrew, uh, that many of the things uh, that are, like, kind of references in English uh, never directly works in Hebrew mm -hmm. uh, because as opposed to English uh, Hebrew is a gendered language mm -hmm. uh, there's there's like a there's like a, a male or female uh, uh, pronunciation 
associated with most words in Hebrew. Uh, like table, for example, is male. Mm. Uh, uh, door is female. Uh, like l- lots of stuff like that. So, uh, so usually stuff don't translate like well. And that's why uh, nerds, uh, uh, Hebrew speaking nerds always have like this uh, rage about uh, movies that get uh, translated, like their titles get translated to Hebrew because it's never the same title or, or it's always like a, a, a something that sounds way off um, but tries to kind of adhere to kind of a direct translation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the, the most recent one that we had uh, was the translation of the Ant-Man uh, uh, ty- uh, movie title, like the Quantumania one. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't remember what it was, but I remember a lot of people in one of uh, uh, Facebook groups in Hebrew uh, for geeks uh, uh, was such a huge cry out like that the title of the video is so dumb in hebrew uh, <laughs> so yeah uh, that's that's my experience at least <laughs> well, sadly sadly english is the only language that i am proficient in so that's 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 cool that's okay yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh okay I'll, I'll try for a good hebrew joke in the next one <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, the next question is from Jay. We have two questions from Jay. Uh, the first question is, I'm curious if there's any planned expansion on the current world building. I'd love to know more about the quintessence, timeless monks, Tengaskites, etc. Um, yeah. There, again, you know, back in the day when when there were more of us working on these things. Uh, we, we had big plans for all of that. I definitely want to get back to Arica's story at some point and talk about the quintessence, um, and, and the timeless monks. Um, you know, we would love someday for Lila Sturgis and Daryl Gregory to be able to come back and do more work. Uh, you know, there was, there was a planned sequel to, uh, crisis line that we didn't get a chance to do back in the day. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there are bits and pieces of, of narrative out there that, uh, I would love to be able to tie together. And I, you know, Mm. I guess it all just depends on, on how long we get to keep doing this. Uh, but you know, it's it's cool to know that people want to see those things. That it's not just us kind of doing it for ourselves. And uh, the second question from Jay, which is kind of expands on the first one: uh, Are you planning on writing about any new characters, or do you think it'll be mostly sequels from here on out? I can tell you right now that I'm working on a new character, but I'm not going to tell you anything more than that. Hmm. Um, we'll see. <laughs> I, th- I think I think we would like to have a healthy mix of sequels and new characters, uh, so that because you know all these characters were new at one point. So how do you know you haven't met your favorite one yet? Hmm. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I think I think uh, both is the answer. 
Cool. Uh, the next question is from Heather. Uh, and Heather asks, does Taylor have a crush on their lifeline? <laughs> you know, what was, what was it? Speed in that movie where they talked about, uh, you know, people, people being attracted to people because they were in, uh, high pressure action situations. Um, I think that probably it's fair to say that, that Taylor has a little bit of a crush on the lifeline just because they have been through so much and the lifeline has helped them so much that, uh, Taylor can't help, but have formed some, some sort of attachment, uh, and I think I think it's fair to say from some of the stuff that I've read online that uh, more than more than one lifeline has a crush on Taylor, so it goes both ways. <laughs> um, I I think that we could probably make money hand over fist if I wrote a Taylor dating app. So, wow, <laughs> that's very cool. <laughs> um, I think for me, like uh, I. Uh, like there was always like this uh, I think in Silent Nights it was this thing where you had like the choice at the beginning of treating Taylor as a complete stranger or, or like uh, or uh, indicating in one of your answers that you know who Taylor is mm -hmm. um, and, and then it was like um, this thing like that uh, at least for me Taylor uh, is kind of like uh, your best friend uh, you have like kind of best friend conversations mm -hmm. um, so I think for me it was always like that a uh, little bit of fun even in beside you in time I think also there's this uh, uh, indication at the beginning uh, that you that you know who Taylor is um, and not just being someone who just like meets uh, Taylor right then and there Mm -hmm. um and i think for me uh, this uh, uh this continuation and this kind of uh sequeling of the games like you know taylor from all of those other games and now you, you're kind of continuing the journey with them uh i think for me that was like a, a good part of like forming that kind of relationship with uh uh with taylor uh which was so so cool like you have that uh i think the best example I can give of this is like importing your uh, saves uh, from one game to another. Like uh, mm -hmm. uh, games in the past, uh, I think Dragon Age uh, was one, one game that did this uh, in all three games. You could import your save from the previous game into the new one. Mass Effect uh, uh, was another, another game that did that. And even I think in The Witcher, uh, I think uh, the witch from The Witcher One to The Witcher Two, and I don't remember if it was something you could have done in Witcher Three because Witcher Three was kind of a big open world game. Uh, but but the fact that you could like uh, do this uh, import and then like continue uh, storylines from one game to the next uh, was always such a cool 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 thing. Okay. So now we have uh, a different question from someone who is anonymous. The name is uh -huh. the name is anonymous, and uh, this is kind of a shenanigans uh, question. Hello, can I marry Taylor? 
you know what? You can do whatever you want. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, for, for, for the right amount, I will, I will write that story. Ooh. <laughs> we can go back and forth on what that amount might be, but, uh, but yeah, I think people deserve to marry Taylor if they want. You heard it first, Anonymous. Reach out to Dave. Yeah. Uh, no, no. I will say it's going to be a long distance relationship for a, for quite a while yet. Uh, okay. Uh, the next question is from Ali, and Ali asks: Are there any plans to incorporate the IRL gap in between Lifeline games into the story? Uh, so it's again kind of a timeline question. Yes. Um, not not really. I don't. Uh, I, I don't feel like we gain anything from doing that. Um, so I would rather continue to just kind of fudge the time and, and tell a story as opposed to trying to, trying to account for all those lost years. Um, but you know, that's, that that's just my opinion. I'm, if people want to include that time because it, it feels right to them, then who am I to stop them? Okay. Um, here's a question that I didn't know I needed the answer for until I've seen it. Uh, the question is from Sugar. And the question is, what was written in Chinese at the peak of the first Lifeline game? Will we ever find out? Oh, gosh. Um... I don't now my memory is Swiss cheese uh, so I I vaguely remember this I think it was not so much about what was written as just the fact that it was written in Chinese uh, which was supposed to be surprising because China does not have a space exploration arm in our present day so you were supposed to be kind of weirded out that there was this spacecraft mm. from, uh, you know, from, from a, a, a superpower that hadn't, hadn't achieved that in our present. Okay. Um, that's, that's the best of my memory from back. If, if I had something specific in mind, I do not remember it, but I think that was the purpose of that. Okay, that's interesting. For me, it, that wasn't what I like. What I, uh, how I connected with that moment. Uh, for me, it was like, oh, so there were humans here. Like, yeah. uh, like that was like my uh, my first realization because, like, uh, when when I played the game for the first time, I was like, wait, is the peak an alien structure? Like, mm -hmm. uh, and then when you realize that there's Chinese writing over there, like you say, okay, so this is kind of man-made, uh, human-made. Uh, so, so what is, what is the deal of this place? Like, uh, up until that moment, when you, when, when, before you see the Chinese, I was like, so am I entering, like, is, is Taylor entering into a, an alien structure right now? Um, so I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, it's again. I, I wish that my memory were better. 
this question is from Annie. And mm-hmm. the question is, hey, Dave, I know you probably can't say much, but can you clue us in to what the future of the Lifeline series looks like? New characters, old ones, returning, new storylines, etc. So, I know you yes. can't say much. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's a good... <laughs> that's a great answer. Yes. All of, all <laughs> of those things, yes. Um, no, at, at, at this stage of what we're doing, uh, I really don't feel like I can say anything um, other than... You know, like I said earlier, what I'm writing is something new. Uh, it, it is not a character that you've played with before. Um, beyond that, I, it's probably premature to talk about anything except in very vague terms of saying that, like, yes, we do want to do sequels. Yes, we do want to continue the Green Saga. So, uh, so yes. So these were all the fan questions I had for you, Dave. Uh, mm-hmm. Before I let you go, uh, there is one little segment left. And that segment is Roll for Spoilers. So I'm going to ask you to provide us with any juicy detail that you want about Lifeline, the next games or whatever it is uh, people don't know on a roll of the D20. Uh, and if I get a high number, it's your choice uh, to provide us with any uh, juicy detail. But I could also roll poorly, uh, and that would mean uh, not telling me anything or just lying to me. Uh, so what do you say? Should we give this a shot? Let's give it a shot. Okay. So I'm going to uh, do this thing. I uh, I hope people can see the roll, and I'll just roll it. And I rolled a two. Uh, so, so yeah, what do you say on a two? <laughs> on a two? Boy, I barely have to tell you anything. Yes. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, so, the thing that I am writing currently contains one of the most exciting Zoom calls you could imagine. Okay. <laughs> I know that everyone playing video games wants to play Zoom calls. Where you make the choices. Hmm. An exciting Zoom call in a game mm-hmm. is so funny. <laughs> you rolled a two, buddy. That's what okay. you get. Yeah. Uh, and this is the Dimension 20 dice, people. Uh, I I didn't think they will disappoint me like this, but uh, never mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Dave, uh, these were all the questions I had for you. Uh, before I let you go, uh, can you please tell us, uh, for anyone who is listening to this, who is maybe not as familiar with the Lifeline series as I am, uh, where they can find the games, uh, and where do you want to point them uh, from this interview? Uh, You can find the games on the App Store, the Google App Store, or the Apple App Store. 
you can also find Lifeline Plus on Apple Arcade. We showed up there at the end of February and have been doing very well. Uh, so please come find us there. And uh, the more of you that find us there, the more likely there'll be more of us there. Uh, so you can find us on the web at, I'm not looking at it right now, so I don't remember. I think it's lifeline.games. That's what I remember too. I think so too. Yes. Will you put the proper thing on the screen so people... (laughs) For sure. Uh, And then, uh, of course, the Discord, which is a hip and happening place, uh, a, a very active fan community full of lovely and amazing people. Um, probably several of whom asked you questions today. Um, and our Twitter, I'm sure you can put up on the screen. Uh, our Facebook, yeah, everything will be on the screen. You can put up on the screen. I don't have the mind to remember any of the actual addresses. Uh, but we're active out there on uh, on social media, and um, yeah, and I I wish that I could tell you when our next thing is coming out. Uh, I will say I, I definitely think that before the end of this year, people will have a new fun game in their hands with an amazing Zoom call sequence, <laughs> and uh, and I hope everyone loves it. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Geek Peak. Before I let you go, I want to thank the individuals who went the extra mile and became my patrons. So, without further ado, thank you to Arthur Morrill, Bob Prescott, Lexi Gardner, Cody Neville, Charlie Fisher, Stote Dross, Laura Jane Hamilton, Maggie, Grace Bauer, Captain Casno, Tyler Felsted, Ella Lubell, Mandy Kennedy, Ross Simpson, Jacob Koch, Emma Rose, D20 is my church, Patch Kelly, Sarah Kate Noel, Zachary Tyndall, Trevor Williams, and Chaos Alpha. If you want to join them, please head on over to patreon.com forward slash the Owen Cohen, and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.